0: If you're using food in any way, other than to nourish yourself, it can be damaging. And I think my eating disorder definitely developed because I never could explain how I felt about anything. I just kept it in and I comforted myself with food. My message is be nutritious most of the time because that's what your body needs to function, but you don't have to do it all of the time.
1: Hey guys and welcome back to another exciting episode of catch ups in my kitchen with me Georgia Simmons host of the podcast this week we are joined by Lisa Ungar who is an emotional eating disorder therapist we all know of someone who has battled with an eating disorder or we ourselves have had our own struggles with our relationship with food and our body image Therefore, I thought it would be really insightful to speak to someone professionally about the deeper meaning of an eating disorder, the signs that we need to look out for if you're worried about someone who you think may be struggling and also how to approach them sensitively and help them to overcome it or even to advise them to get external help. Eating disorders are such a sensitive topic and therefore it's really, really important to go about all of this in the right way. Lisa also shares her own personal story which I was very grateful for and she mentions how she personally helps people, the different types of eating disorders and also the difference between an eating disorder and just having a negative relationship with food. I know I say this all the time on the podcast but food is more than just what we eat, food really is mood and well-being. I really think this was an amazing episode so I hope you think so too. Enjoy and have a lovely, lovely rest of your day. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me in my kitchen. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very pleased to be here. No, it's great. So to start off with, we have an elevator pitch. Can you explain a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: Yes, so my name is Lisa Unger and I'm an emotional and eating disorder specialist. So I work with people who've just been struggling all their lives with the way they eat and how they feel about themselves and I can empower them and
1: give them all the tools they need to change. Amazing. I mean this is just so special because lots of lots and lots of people out there do have eating disorders and they can come in different varieties which we will touch on Mm. so before we do we have a quick fire round about all things food okay which is so sweet or savory Mm, it's really hard both um sweet uh pizza or
0: pasta i actually really don't like either of them oh (laughs) okay that's fine (laughs) what's your go-to cuisine my go-to cuisine, oh, I think it's a mixture,
1: but I think mainly Asian. Mm, yes, um, I'd have to agree with you on that. Yeah. It's so nice. Cook in or eat out?
0: Mm. I, I like, I like, I like both. I love cooking, so I would say cooking. Yeah, I really. I love the same.
1: Cooking. I love cooking, and for me, hosting people mm. is the best. And what is your favorite delivery or takeaway?
0: Uh, favorite takeaway oh we have a very lo- good local india so okay I, I do yeah
1: india not too spicy but lovely yeah. so to start off with i thought it'd be good to kind of set the scene and could you share a bit about your personal experience with eating disorders and your personal experience with your relationship with food absolutely so first of all
0: i want to just express that I, I know m- my story I know why my eating disorder started only because of the work that I've done on myself so what I'm telling you is after the work if you like Fine. so um, when I was six um, my elder brother he passed away he from cancer and he'd been ill most of my life so I didn't know different and obviously at six you don't know that much that is going on but you pick up on things And I remember seeing, obviously, how devastated my parents were. And I had an older sister. I have an older sister then. And also the effect that it had on my sister. And I think that I just tried to cause my parents the least amount of trouble that I could. And I was the good girl. And my mum used to say, oh, you know, you're so good. You're so good. You don't give us any trouble or whatever. And so I had to really live up to that. But I was a child and, you know, children feel things, but I never expressed it, I kept it all in. And I think my eating disorder definitely developed because I never could explain how I felt about anything, I just kept it in and I comforted myself with food. I think that was one side. The other side was that I was a really, naturally very, very skinny child. And when I hit maturity, I absolutely went the other way and I still ate in the same way that I did when I was a skinny child so uh, you know sweets in between meals uh, or not- not that there's anything wrong we'll talk about that later but there's nothing wrong with eating sweets but it it became it became like a crux for me really and so we would have dinner for example then I'd sneak in the kitchen and I'd take extra dessert um and that's what I went for sweet tooth so um and it I got much bigger but you know it's not about my size it was about how I felt inside I really hated myself I was really unhappy I didn't I I started dieting at school when I was probably 14 and you name a diet I've tried it I even at the age of about 19 I had injections um, which I you know, I had injections, you had pills before your meal, pills after your meal, what you were only allowed to eat, citrus fruit and protein, and how limit your drinks every day, honestly. It, and I was just so desperate, I would have done anything to be slimmer, because I thought that was the answer. I was unhappy because I was big. And um, so this went on for quite a few years. I went to uni, um, I was the biggest I'd ever been. Um, and I was so shy and underconfident, and again, I felt I couldn't speak to people because of my size, because they would, you know, think awful things about me. Um, but really, in truth, when I look back, I was the person who thought the most, you know, badly about myself. So, um, and when I was um, when I was at uni, a friend and I, we started eating what I would call sensibly. Compared to dieting so what we did was we just ate you know healthily three meals, maybe a few snacks, but Very carefully in the week and then on the weekend my then boyfriend now husband um, Would come and visit and I would eat whatever I wanted on the weekend And that was sort of how I got into the pattern and I lost weight and I lost a lot of weight but Just became an you know an average size um, but it wasn't till much later that I realized how controlling I still was over food because I never f- wanted to feel how I did when I was, when I was younger. So I was very controlling. and I sort of learned my lesson when I had my first daughter. So um, a friend and I, we started a play group. And up till then, my daughter had—I never had biscuits in the house. She wasn't allowed anything sweet like that because I was so scared that she was going to turn out like me, and be as unhappy as I was. I never wanted her to feel like that. And so, at the playgroup, my friend put out biscuits, and my daughter did not play she would lie under the table with the biscuits, so desperate to have a biscuit because they tasted nice. And I learned my lesson and I thought, I can't do that, That is what I've been doing is even worse. So after that, I did become more relaxed. Um, I still was very stressed about what I was eating. I would weigh myself once, twice, three times a day. Um, And I, I was quite obsessed, I think, with my weight. And just gradually, I started reading books. I started doing um, self-help stuff. And I just realized, yeah, that I had to be more relaxed around it. And actually, when I was more relaxed about what I ate, then my weight didn't change because... I didn't have this thing of being on a diet and then breaking my diet and then having a binge day and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they all say that your gut is your second brain. Yeah. And it really, really, really is. It, There's so much I want to unpack yeah. on that. Firstly, thank you so much for sharing. Um, and secondly, did you ever get help during, your st- during this process or was it all very much self-taught, self- Okay, I can see... Because a lot of people who have eating disorders are in denial. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you're sharing your story on reflection, but going back to when you were younger, were you very much self-diagnosing or were, did it get to a point where you had to have help? If
0: I'm totally frank, I didn't get help. Um, and I managed, but it wasn't until I went to college and, as an adult and studied eating disorders... That I realized I'd had one I wow. just thought I was greedy I you know had a large appetite I had I had no idea that my behavior was was an eating disorder
1: no friends mentioned while wow, you're looking thin no family no, oh yeah I
0: had that but you I- didn't
1: but I didn't relate
0: it you know because I mean I could tell I knew I had a distorted body image Mm -hmm. because I'm I would always be very guide very much guided by the size of my clothes okay which is in in the light of days ridiculous because you can go into a store now and pick up all their size 12s and they vary by about three inches yeah so, you know, but if I put on, I don't know, whatever size and it was loose, I thought, oh, that's good. And if I put it on and it was tight, I was thinking, oh, no, the same with weighing myself all those times, you know, if I got on the scales and I'd lost weight, I felt good. And if I, you know, got on the scales and I stayed the same or, or I'd put on a couple of pounds, I'd be in a panic
1: okay interesting and was your everyone's eating disorder I feel like is slightly different in terms of what it consists of mm. were you very much counting calories as little as possible were you very much carbophobe? Mm. were you like let me just get rid of everything and just if I'm about to if I'm really shaky I'll have something what did yours look like you mentioned like the pills and everything like that yeah. so yeah what did yours look like so my eating
0: disorder was very much uh, started with a diet and the diet could be counting calories, no fat, low fat, carbs, um, it didn't matter. They, you know, all the cabbage soup one, there was, I um, can't remember all the names, loads of different diets. Mm. Anyway, I, I really tried them all and I, and they weren't sustainable. So I would break them. Yeah. Um, and when I broke them, I, I binged yeah. because I felt. I felt ashamed of myself that I was useless hopeless um they weren't working how was I ever going to be different and I would binge I mean just I'm only telling you this it's embarrassing but I'm telling you because I don't want people or I do want people to realize they're not alone in this I would eat frozen bread while the the bread was in the toaster because I'd be so desperate to shove food in my mouth um And, you know, I would buy a a packet of biscuits at at the shops. And before I got home, they'd all be gone.
1: Yeah. And I want to touch on this dieting thing because people do diet. It's a a thing. It still exists. Mm. There's different varieties of diets. There are more sustainable diets, but diets are are still out there. And they probably will, will always be out there. Yeah. But they don't work. No. They never will. So can we touch on diets? But also, can we touch on how damaging it is? so early on to start dieting and how it affects your body later on in life absolutely so if we just talk about low
0: fat for example a low fat diet low, we need fat in our body our hormones so if you're young and you're you know you're developing or you know my my you know menopausal whatever your age you need fat to make hormones um, and if you're depriving yourself, then your hormones are going to be out of balance. You might not feel it when you're 16, even 20, but it catches up. Mm. Carbohydrate. Carbohydrate is things like your potato that people often avoid, your rice, your couscous, whatever. Uh, well, there's also carbohydrate in vegetables, you know, um, but we need carbohydrate that's our first source of energy and our brain can only use energy from carbohydrate so if we start restricting it then you know we're, our body's not going to function in the right way Protein protein is for muscles and tissues and whatever. When we talk about, sorry, I'm sort of dancing all over the place as it comes to my head, but if you think about a low-fat yogurt, I had a client who said, oh, Lisa, I know you don't like low-fat, but I found this low-fat yogurt, and it's really nice. And... Um, and I looked at the label, because they'd taken out the fat, they put other stuff in to make it taste nice. It had the equivalent of four and a half teaspoons of sugar in that yogurt. Whereas if he'd have bought a full fat natural yogurt and mixed in the fruit that he liked, it would have been a much more nutritious mm. breakfast. Yeah. Completely. So we, it, my main point is, because people will tell me, no, it's fine not to eat carbohydrates and it's fine not to eat this and it's fine not to eat that. For some people it is. But if if you're using food in any way other than to nourish yourself, it can be damaging. Mm. And I what I want for people is that they can have a plate of food, whatever it is, whether it's a cake or it's a salad. And I want them to get enjoyment from it. And not be worrying about what they're actually eating. That mm. my message is: be nutritious most of the time because that's what your body needs to function. But you don't have to do it all of the time. Yeah. And when you take that pressure off yourself of you know that all or nothing, right? I'm never going to eat biscuit or I'm never going to eat crisps or. Um, when you take that pressure off and you have it sometimes because you enjoy it you eat it slowly you know people talk about mindful eating it's because what is the point of eating those crisps uh, while you're watching television you eat them away the bag's empty and you think where have those crisps gone I don't even you know so my thing is have the crisps but sit at the table enjoy it give yourself a portion enjoy it eat it slowly and and then you know that you've had it and you know that you've enjoyed it so
1: yeah the love of food is really important definitely I think that's especially key for all those who kind of working in a week and maybe Mm. really grab and go grab and go grab and go although that is convenient sometimes it's really important to just take five and enjoy whatever that is that you're eating I completely agree and I also want to touch on the fact that when you're dieting when you're younger people don't think about the effect that it has when you're older mm. so can we touch on that a bit because I think you know diet culture and looking great for summer and summer's coming and yeah. all these different things or like I'm now going to restrict myself in January because I binged it for Christmas like all these different things do have effects later on and what mm. are those effects?
0: Well they definitely do well they not only later on but in the moment they have an effect as well because if you are a sort of one minute eating like a lot and the next minute you're not your body does not understand that Tesco's is around the corner or or any other supermarket yeah (laughs) but they don't understand that you can go shopping anywhere and buy food it thinks you're in a famine Mm. so you're trying to lose weight and your brain is telling your body well she's eat she's eating now we better hang on to that because we don't know when our next meal is coming from so you know when people talk about dieting like they lose weight, they put it on, they always put on that bit more. That, that's what's happening is your body is hanging on to your weight because it doesn't know when you're not going to be in famine again. Yeah. But if we get back again, you know, when you're young, your bones are still, you know, growing. Your hormones, as I said before, are setting themselves for later in life. Um. Y- it not eating um not eating what your body needs and functioning properly can also it affects your mood to a to a great extent Mm. and can make you you know your moods more erratic there are just so so many things that are, are going on and we just need to as I said eat nutritiously
1: most of the time and not think about cutting out food groups no no, I agree and consistency and sustainability in terms of having a diet which is sustainable and making it consistent obviously every day is different and variety Mm. is key but like not one week this one week that one week the Mm. other because a poor body doesn't know if it's coming or going I want to go back to your personal experience and I mean how did you turn it around How did you get yourself out of it? Was it by learning more? And is that how you realised? Because like sometimes people live with eating disorders forever. Yeah. So how did you get out of it yourself? It it was with learning more,
0: educating myself, um, doing a lot of work on myself because as I've mentioned, I blamed myself. For my eating, dis- well, I didn't know I had an eating disorder, but I blamed myself for being big, and I didn't understand that I thought there was something wrong with me, and I didn't understand that there wasn't. And it's one of the first things that I teach my clients that I, we do like a timeline. Well, what was going on in your life when you know this this started, or and it doesn't mean that it has to be what what we think of being a trauma. It could be that somebody said something to you at school, or it could be that somebody in the street um, said something, or your friends and you, you, know, you, were un- you were unhappy at school and you didn't feel you fitted in with anybody. It could be a million of different things. And for everybody, it's individual, but it doesn't have to be what we think of as trauma.
1: I think also what you're touching on there is that it's more than just the food. It's oh. not, food is a mask for what's going on underneath. So am I right in saying that eating disorders are more than than yeah. the food? Absolutely. I would say that eating, very little
0: is about the food. It's, the food becomes, either eating it or not eating it, it becomes a tool for you to cope. It's a coping strategy in whatever way um, it's needed. Mm. So for me... I couldn't express my feelings and emotions for whatever reason and i turned to food to uh numb myself so because when you when you really binge a lot you creates a stew you know you're in a stupor and also i you know it was a way of comforting myself when i was aware of of how i was feeling so it was a coping strategy and by looking at what happens when in your life and when it all all begins is you know can be really um, helpful in working out. Also, you know, if you think about when you're a child, the rules um, for me were I wasn't allowed to leave the table till I'd eaten everything on my plate. Well, you take that to being an adult; you're not tuning into whether you're full whether you're hungry, you just know, you you know... And also, if you look at the size of dinner plates nowadays, they're, they're so big because they have these enormous rims. Mm-hmm. And we eat with our eyes, so we feel that we have to have... You know, we have these big piled plates, and then, um, and then I feel I have to eat it all. Yeah. But I don't.
1: No, no, it's so, so true. So I now want to look at kind of eating disorders as a whole. And if people listening are thinking they might have someone in mind that they're thinking about right now yeah could be themselves could be a family member could be a friend what signs should we be looking out for if we are worried about someone what signs should we be looking out for that would sign that okay yeah we might need to step in and say something here what are those kind of early signs or yes yeah well obviously
0: um drastic weight loss would be one or weight gain you know um but there, is, there are sort of three areas to look at, and some of the areas overlap. Just to say that eating disorders, are used, as you mentioned, are individual, and not everybody will show any of these signs. And some people you might recognize as showing one sign, maybe two signs. But it's, it's just like a general picture of somebody. So the first area is behavioral. So are people really, you know, would you say they're like really rigid in their dietary rules, you know, they, they really into counting calories. And if they go over 10 over whatever their number is, is that a catastrophe? Are they, you know, into their low fat, no carbohydrate? Is it just really, really strict for them? Um, are they, um, obsessing about things like calories or what they look like, you know? Um, so it's stopping them doing things. Is it that they're absolutely obsessed with exercise and, you know, if they don't get to the gym one day, you know, the, what they're really stressed and the world's falling in. Um, are they, um, showing, mood swings all the time because if you're not giving your body the nutrients it needs it affects your mood so are they you know having lots of mood swings that you're not used to something different um are they being secret about eating so for example are you finding wrappers all over the place that are you um are you noticing that every time after after supper they they're disappearing to the bathroom just things to be aware of then you know there's obviously emotional and psychological um things as well so social uh withdrawal did they always go and i don't know out with their friends and all of a sudden they're not going um are they uh do they have like a distorted idea of their body so that you know are they very very tiny and then keep telling you that they're big that kind of thing and then you want to think about well how is it impacting their life as i mentioned social withdrawal all these things did they that they used to do have they stopped doing it have they got a real fear of of putting on weight Mm. um and a a real anxiety about it so those are some of some of the things to look out for
1: Mm, definitely another thing that i've kind of seen around a bit is also like timings like if you're changing the time of a dinner plan or something, mm. how are they reacting to that? Mm. Are they calm about it? And I guess it's it, all the things you mentioned are kind of all about control.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and if the control gets taken away from them, how are they reacting with mm. that? So if you're seeing these signs on someone, what do we do? How do we go about it? Because it's such a sensitive topic yeah. and their reactions to it can be so varied and you're you're coming at it from a place of love and care Mm. and they they think you're coming at it from a place of hate judgment and i don't know they think they're being you're being nasty to them and attacking so how do we address this in the nicest way possible
0: well the first thing i would suggest is that you actually educate yourself about eating disorders so you have a little bit of just a little bit of understanding and in fact um there's a website which if you do a search on google is beat beat and that has really great advice for how you could talk to somebody but you're absolutely right you want to talk to them without judgment with just with kindness and compassion remember an eating disorder is not about them overeating or under eating it's a mental health issue and they might not even know that they're struggling with it, just like I didn't. So the first thing is, please do not say to them, I think you have an eating disorder. Because that in just by saying that, it sounds quite judgmental. Mm. What I would suggest is that you say something like, you know, I've noticed that you don't seem your normal, happy self, and I'm really concerned about you. That kind of thing if you want to point out you know what you're concerned about try not to make it about food and weight try to make it about as i said it could be the behaviors no i just noticed you're not going out with your friends anymore what's you know what's going on um just um don't bamboozle them with, say, well, I've noticed this, 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 this. Just choose two or three really poignant things that you feel comfortable to say. They might be very um, defensive or angry with you, or um, don't take it personally. Remember, we're we're dealing with mental health. Just show your compassion and just say, look, I'm really sorry. Obviously, I don't want to upset you, but I just want you to know that I really care about you. Mm. And if they do open up to you, you could suggest maybe that it would be helpful for them if they got some external help. As I said, there's the BEAT um, website, which has really got some very useful information. Um, but, you know, if they agreed, you could say, well, you know, would you like me to help you? Just be open, compassionate, kind. If they absolutely are not interested, again, don't take it personally personally. Just say, just leave them and maybe try again in a few weeks.
1: Yeah. I think the, the part about external help is really key, actually, because I think they... Because it is a mental illness, I think they, don't, they won't want to talk to someone about it that they know mm. really well. Yeah. The, I think speaking to someone externally is... It's like therapy. It's, yeah. That's why you do it. It's really important. So I think it probably is really key to not take it personally if they don't want to speak to you. Yeah. So with the work that you do... Mm-hmm. How do you begin to help people who have got eating disorders? Because like we say, everyone's so different. So what what do you do? Where, where do you come in?
0: Okay, so I come in by, well, as I mentioned before, we start with this timeline. We look at their history. What is going on for you that has led you down this path? What's happened maybe, you know, in your past that has led you to where, where you are now? and what we're doing is looking for all the clues as to what is keeping them spinning in this in their behaviors because it is it's about behavior it's about how you eat more than what you eat it's about how you eat you know there's so many different areas that are keeping them stuck so it's often it's to do it can be to do with self esteem it can be to do with how you feel about your body um, It's also a habit, you know, eating or not eating, it can become a habit that, you know, and it's it's about how we break that habit. It's about your beliefs. You know, I mentioned about, you know, um, I always had to finish all the food on my plate before I could leave the table. Well, you can have lots of beliefs about you and about food, and it's about gradually breaking those down. Um, Definitely our emotions um, can play a part because emotional eating is a, an enormous thing for everybody. I mean everybody eats emotionally. Sometimes it's when it becomes our our main tool of coping with the emotion that it can, can become an issue for us. Um, there yeah, there are so many things stress is another is another one um, that you know can keep turning us to food or away from food. Mm. So what we do is we identify all the areas that are personal to that person and then gradually over time we slowly work on breaking them down and breaking them down we go slowly step by step by step because often we've had these behaviors beliefs for many many years and we it it takes time to break them down
1: Mm. and do you feel like you have to kind of educate them on food again in terms of like these aren't bad, these are good, these aren't your demons, these are your friends, these aren't negatives, these are positives. So, do you feel like you have to do that a bit as well? Because I think you do end up kind of putting some foods into a bad category. Yeah. And we definitely, um,
0: we definitely talk about food, especially at the beginning, to establish, you know, it's to establish that, you know, that no food is banned, Really? Mm. You know, my, my, my saying is there is no such thing as bad food unless it's gone moldy. Yeah. It's how you eat it that is the diff, you know, makes yeah. the difference. Yeah, so true. So it, it absolutely, I'm not about banning food. It's definitely about getting that enjoyment back, as I said
1: before. Yeah. And do you think eating disorders ever go away? I know you're sitting here and for you personally, it mm-hmm. has. But do you think they ever do? Okay. So, good
0: question. I would say that yes, eating disorders go away, not not just for me, there's lots of other people you'll come across who don't have an eating disorder. But I think what's really important is that you're aware of when something triggers you and it does come back. So, you know, we can have lapses where, you know, let's say somebody who was binging, I might binge, something happens and I might binge and it's really important that I don't beat myself up about it that I understand what well, what what happened, why did that happen to me what can I put in place so that it doesn't happen again mm. so always learning but it comes with being aware And what, and if these lapses keep happening and I can't seem to break from it then I know that I can reach out for help And I wouldn't hesitate to do so. And there's no shame attached to that. It's it's self-help, it's self-care, and it's what I need to do to stay well.
1: Yeah. I guess you can get triggered, but then you've got all the tools to fight it off. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the difference from when it kind of comes back and later on. Yeah. And I think it's also quite important to distinguish the difference between an eating disorder and a negative relationship with food. Because, you know, we're all we're girls here a lot of, I know I'm singling girls out and there's actually a lot of boys out there as well yeah. so that's also really important to say but you know I'm saying girls because we'll we'll look in the mirror and we'll be self-critical and we might be coming on our periods and suddenly we'll be binging more chocolate hmm. and I think it's important to suddenly think you suddenly aren't going to come down with an eating disorder like you might yeah. have a negative relationship with food at a certain time yeah. but then you suddenly haven't got an eating disorder so I think it's also important to distinguish the difference between that absolutely um, and also Can we talk a bit about being a mirror critic? Because again, this isn't an eating disorder, but it's a negative relationship you have with yourself and your appearance. Mm -hmm. So how can we kind of battle that? Because obviously we're human and sometimes we do look in the mirror and think, oh, like I want to look different or I don't like this, that or the other.
0: Mm.
1: But how can we try and get rid of that? Okay, well, I'm gonna start with the
0: eating disorder, not eating disorder. If you think of it as, as a continuum as a line i think it becomes an eating disorder when it starts interfering with your life that yes as you, we mentioned right at the beginning there is a history of dieting and it's unlikely that that's ever going to go away but so there are lots of people who've gone on diets broken diets gone on diets broken diets And and that, I would say, is the poor relationship with food. But when it interferes with your life, when you stop going out, when you're stressing about it all day, when it's the first thing you think about when you get up in the morning and it's the last thing you think about at night and you haven't stopped thinking about your body, your food, where where you are in in this world, um, when it becomes obsessive. And interferes with life. That, that is when I think you need to get help.
1: Mm, yeah, that's quite a good distinguish between the two. Yeah.
0: And the mirror critic. Nobody speaks to us as harshly as us. I mean, you know, you look in the mirror. Oh, it's a catastrophe. Look at my bum. Look at this. Look at that. And And you become obsessed. And what you do is you focus in and focus in and stare at it. And it becomes even bigger than you thought it was before. Body esteem and self-esteem are very wrapped up with each other. So if you look on social media, you'll see people who, let's say, might be of a much larger size and they are so confident and they're in their bikinis and they don't care. And then you get people of the same size who care so much and they look in the mirror and all they do is criticize themselves. So it's very wrapped up in self-esteem. So one of the things you want to do is work on your self-care. Now, self-care, to some people, they think, oh, I have to go meditate for an hour or I need to go and do an exercise class. That's me. is If you enjoy it, it's fantastic. But that's not self-care. Self-care is taking five minutes, maybe four times a day, when you do something for you, that you enjoy that for no other reason than you deserve it so things that i suggest maybe if you're lucky enough to have a garden and it's not raining take a cup of tea go and sit in the garden for 5 minutes without your phone go um go in your bathroom and rub hand cream really massage hand cream in in to your um to your hands yeah if you are happy to do this, sit and just do slow breathing for five minutes. Um, it's really therapeutic. And also, how often do we just sit with ourselves and quiet? Um, but if that's not for you, put on your favorite song. It doesn't matter what it is, but take five minutes and do it Four times a day, the best way to remind, remember to do it is to add it onto a meal or something that you're, a habit that you've got already, so that it becomes habit. And just taking that time when you can just breathe is really helpful. Another one. Think about parts of your body, like your hands. What did your hands do for you today that was, you know, really beneficial? Um, oh, I had to walk home with two really ba- heavy bags of shopping and my hands did that for me, so I've got food at home. What can you do to reward your hands? Paint your nails, again, hand cream, give them a massage. It, you know, so you're thinking about your body in a different way. The other thing is when we look in the mirror, we often tell ourselves the biggest thing that goes in people's heads is, oh, I look so fat, or, I feel fat. I just want to tell you that fat is not a feeling. Okay? So what I want you to ask yourself is what else is going on?
1: My God, I love that. Mm. Fat is not a feeling. It's so true. Mm. So true. And everyone says that. I feel fat. God, I've, how many times I've heard that? I don't mm. know. But what, uh, what's underneath that? It's an expression we use,
0: but it's fat is not a feeling. Mm. And my last quick one is when you notice that you are criticizing yourself in the mirror, stop, say, if you can say it out loud, say, I notice how I'm talking to myself. I'm doing it, usually we're doing it as some kind of protection for something. And you know, or the brain has got a filing cabinet of all the times you've told yourself how awful you look when you look in the mirror and it's just bringing those back up into your head. So teach your brain that actually you don't need to think that anymore. so all you need to do I notice how I'm talking to myself, but actually I'm okay mm. and breathe. Take away the 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 judgment, the fear, whatever, but you have to keep practicing it yeah. because your brain's got to get
1: the message that you don't need to think that anymore. So true. And I guess if you're saying it inside your head, try saying it out loud mm. and does it come out uh, does it come out as freely? Yeah. as it does inside your head probably not you would you say it out loud and other people mm. can hear you probably not yeah. so that's quite interesting as well god there's so much there <laughs> thank, thank you so so much and you you've got welcome. an ebook as well haven't you
0: i have got an ebook um called the hunger within and okay. it's about emotional eating so thank you very much i'd love to give you the yeah, yeah we'll definitely
1: i'll put it in the show notes people you you. can click and read that so we do have a tradition to end the podcast yes. which is your last meal and this is starter, main course, and dessert. What would it be? Okay,
0: well, my starter would have to be chicken soup. <laughs> oh, good one! <laughs> I Haven't had that one on here yet. Love chicken soup. Could eat that for starter, main course, and dessert. Um, my what I'm telling you is actually a traditional um, family dinner. Okay, okay, because I love that. that's really important to me. Um, so it's a roast. So mm-hmm. it can be a vegetarian or vegan roast or. Chicken, roast chicken um, is a favourite. Um, and with veg and
1: potatoes and gravy and everything. I love Do that. you have all the trimmings? Oh. We, is there red cabbage on there? Is there cauliflower cheese? Oh, yes. Is there Yorkshire puddings?
0: Not Yorkshire puddings for me, okay. but only because... I'm not a fan, but I'm, yeah, definitely potatoes, cabbage. And also, I'm a very, um, I'm a sauce girl. So, yes. I I have my horseradish within, whatever. Um, Yeah, really delicious. And I think for dessert, it would have to be my sister in law's Pavlova. Lovely. This is
1: delicious. Oh, wow. Mm. What a great last meal. Lisa, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on. I feel like everyone needs to hear this. Everyone will know someone they're thinking about right now. It is really, really, really common as we were mentioning before we started recording and it isn't going anywhere. So it's important Mm. to be aware of the signs, know how to deal with them, know how to help someone, know what to say, know how to help ourselves. It's also important. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did please like share and subscribe by doing one of those, which will literally take you less than 30 seconds. It has a huge impact on the podcast and it would mean the world to me. Thank you again so much and see you next week.